have so many amazing people who serve this body of Christ today. Um, you're just amazing. Who's thankful that the snow got shoveled again? <laughs> We're blessed, and uh, we have people serving all over with our kids and, and uh, upstairs with the media. Uh, we have somebody taking pictures. I told him, I said, make me look skinny. Er. <laughs> so he's doing his best with that. But we're, but, but we're just blessed, um, blessed with uh, such a great body of believers. And it's my honor to get to stand up before you and just share my heart a little bit. So let's pray. Um, and I want to just ask you, if you can, to hold your hands out before you like you're getting ready to receive something. Let's just get prepared, prepared to let God's word impact our life. Thank you, Jesus, today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I love your word. And Jesus, I just pray, pray this for yourself, that you would open every heart, God, to receive, Lord. God, give us eyes to see, Lord. God, things we haven't seen. Jesus, change us today, and we thank you, God, that you're good in every situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, I grew up in the 70s and the 80s, and uh, maybe some of you remember some of these things. Who remembers the 70s? Come on. <laughs> Be bold. <laughs> I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and I grew up right here in Hermiston. And we lived out in the country on Craig Road. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> Christmas candy. All those good old candies. <laughs> good times. Am I right? <laughs> Gotta love those colors. They're all back. <laughs> <laughs> you remember those things? <laughs> we had a van similar. I loved my records. They're all back. So um, I grew up in Hermiston in the 70s, and we lived out on Craig Road in the country. Everybody, anybody know where Craig Road is? It was great. It was great. Uh, <laughs> I spent most of my time outside when the weather was good, and we rode our bikes a lot, my brothers and I. We would go back and forth down the dirt road to our mailbox. Uh, we had um, a big locust tree on our property, and we were always going out there and playing all kinds of things under it, cops and robbers, and that was our fort, and cowboys, and, um, <laughs> and um, my dad always had a garden. He always had a garden, and he always had an orchard. Um, he still grows his tomatoes <laughs> beside his house. He loves the garden. And we loved playing, especially in the strawberry patch, because we would always eat all the strawberries. We would find the best ones and there'd be nothing. And I remember them always thinking, these plants aren't producing much. And, 
And there, we always had flowers around, whether it was wildflowers or my mom planted flowers or roses or daisies. We even planted sunflowers one year, I remember. And uh, I have no recollection of anybody teaching me this little thing we would play with the flowers. We would pick a flower, and uh, I'm sure you've heard of it. I do not know who, I don't ever remember anybody teaching me this but I clearly knew it, and I'm sure you know it too, and probably don't know where you learned it from, but we would say, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And if it ended with, he loves me not, even though I had no idea who he was, <laughs> it was very disappointing. And so I would just get another flower and do it again until it could finally end with, yes, he loves me. He loves me. And I think um, this little saying that we learn in childhood is something that everybody can relate to. We want to be loved. We want to know we're really loved. Um, we're born needing to be loved. Now, there's many differences today that separate us, especially today. There's all kinds of opinions and ideas, and I don't like this person because they posted that, and everybody has uh, so many differences, but without a doubt, there's one thing, there's one common core need that the God of the universe put within each of us that unites us to be loved. We want to be loved, we want to be accepted, we want to be valued, and genuinely, unconditionally, and with no strings attached. So today we're going to look at that a little bit, and I want to look at 1 Corinthians. This is a very familiar chapter about love. You've probably heard it if you've been much in church. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, and it starts with verse 4. We're not going to read the whole chapter. Now, before we read this, I memorized this whole chapter as a kid. It was one of the things I had to do in girls' club. And uh, I had no idea, really, what I was even saying. But, <laughs> but I always thought, hearing it, and you see it at weddings, I always thought, am I, am I loving the way I'm supposed to love? I always would use it to measure up. Am I loving with God's love? Oh, goodness. Um, I need to check myself to this. But I want you to look at it today, knowing this, that 1 John 4.16 tells us this. God is love. God is love. Okay? So when it says love, we could actually put God's name right there. So let's look at it that way, and I'm going to read it to you. And it says, love is large and incredibly patient. God is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Love, or God, does not brag about one's own achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love or God does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seeks its own honor. Love or God is not easily irritated 
or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love, or God, is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love or God takes never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. It never gives up. Amen. Sing this little song with me. You know it. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. You sound so good. <laughs> most of us grew up hearing, most of us, not everyone, but grew up hearing that God loved us. And even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably heard a rumor that God loves you. One of the most quoted scriptures is John 3.16, for God so loved the world. You see it everywhere, right? Well, I grew up being told that God loved me, and I was in church all the time. Anybody else? We come to church three and four times a week from birth. <laughs> and I knew he died on the cross to take away my sins so I wouldn't go to hell. And maybe that's what you've heard. And I will never forget the movie that was out in the 70s. Speaking of the 70s, it was called A Thief in the Night. <laughs> And, oh my goodness, it was so scary. All of us kids in the 70s had nightmares that we were going to get left behind in the rapture and bad things were going to happen to us if we didn't accept Jesus. And so many of us were taught and came to the Lord out of fear, out of fear. And if fear is what brings us in, it ends up being what needs to keep us there. And the problem is, is that fear doesn't work. Fear never works, ever. <laughs> it can't sustain us. And it's miserable. And it's not what God has for us. So, um, and at, at that time, you know, I, I don't fault anyone. People were doing the best they knew. They just wanted you to, to, to know Jesus and using by whatever means they could, you know. But... But fear is not a good motivator, okay? Fear of going to hell. Um, people meant well, um, and somehow through time, the older I got, God's love for me kind of got lost. Now, I was still in church and attending everything and serving, and, um, but really, the fact of God loving me, it became a little more distant because I had begun experiencing life, okay? And some of you have, are experiencing some life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Things didn't always go the way they thought, I thought they should. Um, circumstances disappointed me. People betrayed me. Money ran out. Someone died that shouldn't have. And disappointments came. Things weren't fair. And if God really was love and loved me why wasn't he fixing things now maybe i didn't say this but it was really what i believed and sometimes as believers we're afraid to even admit this okay 
But I believe he wants us to be real with him today and to let our hearts be exposed so he can show us truth. So let's not be too scared to go there today, okay? Um, some of you are there right now. Life is speaking loud. Um, why is my child going deeper and deeper into addiction? Why did he leave? When is my spouse gonna stop being unfaithful to me? We face these things, these are life things, and then we hear God loves us. And uh, it causes us to come to kind of a crossroads. And what happens is we turn all that perspective and all those questions into strange things. Okay, truth starts getting twisted, and we start believing lies. Okay? Lies. And lies never come to us looking like lies or we wouldn't believe them, right? Now, I have a picture up here of Little Red Riding Hood. Do you remember Little Red Riding Hood? Isn't that pretty? Her pretty hair bow? <laughs> uh, Little Red Riding Hood. A wolf came to her. You know, she was sent through the forest with food for grandma and... Uh, Go back in time, you can remember the story. And, <laughs> and the wolf didn't come to her looking like the wolf. See, that's how lies are. The wolf went to grandma, and if you read the G version of the story, he put grandma in the closet and, <laughs> and dressed up like grandma. And Little Red Riding Hood comes, and she thinks nothing is wrong because there's grandma with her little hat on and everything. So I have a picture of a very nice grandma. Let's see the grandma. <laughs> Very nice, loving grandma. This is a modern day Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> so she comes to us, to the house with the food, and um, she brings it to grandma, and she looks at grandma a little closer, okay? And that's what we need to do with lies that life has taught us. We need to look a little closer. And she starts saying, what big eyes you have. <laughs> the better to see you with, my dear. <laughs> and what big teeth you have. So, um, and let me just, for those of you who don't know, let's just settle this. The, the, uh, sh the wolf jumps up and she runs out in the woods and the uh, woodcutter saves her. And everything is good and lets grandma out of the closet. <laughs> But um, it's definitely, the wolf came to her looking like something that was uh, comfortable, familiar, easy, and that's how the enemy brings lies into our life with circumstances that we buy into, okay? And we don't even realize they're lies, but they are. They question his goodness, they question his faithfulness, they question his authority in our life. And they question, ultimately, how much he really loves us. And when that is shaken, everything else crumbles. Um, we've allowed life to speak louder than truth, and it's time we turn up the volume of truth. And uh, you are his greatest delight. That's truth. That's what the word says. You, not someone else. You. He left everything for you. 
We do not live like we believe this. Things happen in life, circumstances come, and quickly we let them dominate and dictate how we like, live, and the enemy is quick to jump in and feed us lies. We would never say it, but we live, too many of us live like we don't really believe we're loved beyond measure, that we're his treasured possession, priceless and valuable, that he crafted and formed you with great intention. He delights in you because you're his nothing more, nothing less. That's real love. His greatest desire, his greatest desire in life, everything he's ever been about is to have a relationship with you because he thinks you're amazing. He loves you. He loves you. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his great joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. You're the field. He sold all he had for you. You were worth it. You were just that valuable. And then Jesus says, and the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he sold everything he had and bought it. You're the pearl. You're the pearl today. Yes, amen. The highest price was paid for you. He knew the only thing that could remove the separation from you and him was the cross. Now, we know he hates sin. Why does he hate sin? Let's talk about that for just a minute. Does, because it, it makes you bad? You're a bad person if you do sinful acts? Not, no. He hates sin because sin is what separates you from him, and he loves you. He wants a relationship with you every day here on earth. He doesn't just want to keep you out of hell. He wants to know you now. He wants you to sit in your room with your door closed and just experience how much he really loves you and hear his thoughts for you. Yes, he wants to share moments with you. And what we've done, though, is we're allowing circumstances to define all of this. And I want to tell you today, each of you in here are better than that. <laughs> Amen? We're better than that. He paid for so much more than to allow circumstances and situations and life to tell us who we are. You're his. And the truth of the cross when we see the cross, it gives us a lens to see something differently. So Tucker doesn't know this. I was going to try to talk to him, but what do you know? I didn't get here very early again. <laughs> Can Tucker come help me with something? I want to show you something. This is what we do. Okay, things don't go well in life. Circumstances are going bad. I didn't get the promotion. Somebody got a diagnosis. My kid's making stupid choices, again. And so these, these circumstances, um, what happens is, let's just say, can I have your glasses for a minute? Let's just say the Tucker's glasses are gonna represent, we'll just tape it right on here, are gonna represent truth, the truth of the cross, and what the cross means, and we're gonna talk about that a little later. So what happens is, though, we take off the cross and we start looking at life like this. 
that says circumstances in life. This is my, my little art project. <laughs> okay, so it gets plastered on her face. Okay. What can you see, Tucker? I can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> you see uh, wax paper. <laughs> it's very, very cloudy. The more things we allow to, to, uh, of life that come our way, it can get this way. And sometimes what we do is we take the cross and we put it on top of circumstances. Does that help? Can you see anything? No, 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 no. Now, this is what we're going to do. Put your glasses back on. Remember, this is the cross of what God has done for us. Now what? Can you see anything? Yep. Does it look different? A lot. Very good. Thank you. Give it up for Tucker. <laughs> now that's... <laughs> That's just a simple little crude example, but the highest price for you was paid. Okay, he knew the only thing um, that could remove you from the separation was the cross, okay? The cross. I'm going to read 1 John 4, 9 through 10. This gives us some insight um, to what he tells us. 1 John 4. The light... Because this, this right here is truth, okay? This is the truth of the word. This is the truth of the cross. The light of God's love shined within us when, when things were going right? When life looked great? No. When he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him, this is love, he loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be a pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. There's so much in there, isn't there? There's so much in there. This is love. That he loved us long before we loved him. That he sent his son, the cross, as a sacrificial offering. Um, he saw you in your mother's womb. He formed you marvelously. He knew you would make wrong choices along the way. He knew you were going to foul things up. He knew you would have a free will. And let me tell you, one of the greatest things he's ever gifted every single person with is a free will. Because we have the ability to choose him back. That's awesome. We can choose him back. And he still said, after all of that, she's worth it. He's worth it. The cost of the cross is worth the price to live in him, to live in her. It's worth it. The cost of the price, the cost of the cross is worth the price to live in Jan. <laughs> or Lynette, the cost of the cro cross was worth it so that he could live in Bonnie or Joseph. Can you imagine God one day with his real estate agent, and I have a little house we're doing not for sale um, theory, uh, theme series. Can you imagine God with his real estate agent one day? Now, this is going to take your vast imagination, but I think you all can do it. <laughs> Now, I believe God could live anywhere. Okay, he's God. He could do anything he wants. But he chose you. He chose to want to live in you. 
and paid the price necessary to have that joy. And he doesn't care what you look like today. That is not important to him. He said, when I'm done renovating, you're going to look like a million bucks. <laughs> you're going to be brand new. And when I'm done, this house is going to be fit for a king. Can you imagine the father walking with a realtor and he sees you and he says, hey, I want to live there. Hey, I want to live there in Shane. <laughs> and the realtor says, what? You want to live there? Sorry, Shane. <laughs> Look, this is ghetto. <laughs> And it's expensive. I have some places to show you up on the hill. Let's just keep walking. And God said, no. Absolutely not. I want that. How much does it cost? That's what he said about you. I want that. How much does it cost? How much does it cost me to live right there inside of her? inside of him. And the realtor says, well, let me see. Uh, let's see, that's flesh and blood. It's going to cost you flesh and blood. It's going to cost you your son. It's going to cost you everything. And God doesn't hesitate. He says, done. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll pay the price. They're worth it. And the realtor says, she's very confused. She says, why would you pay such a high price to live there? And God says, and this is what he says about you, because I know what she will become. I know what she will become. I see what he was made for. I know he's going to be a place fit for a king. You don't see what I see, but I know what she will become. And we have to start thinking this way, people. We have to start letting the Holy Spirit retrain some of our thinking. Because not only does he think this about us, and until we really believe that about us, we can't start believing about other people. And when we start seeing what God sees in other people, it starts solving so many problems. <laughs> We're not going to have a lot of our issues, okay? Because we're going to treat people the way God treats them. We're going to love people the way God loves them because we've experienced that type of love. And that's what I want to encourage you in today. That's what I'm believing and trusting the Holy Spirit to work in each of us today. Now, am I perfect in all this? Absolutely not. But I, I want you all to celebrate and get in the mind to start celebrating progress in our walk with God and not perfection. Too many times... We, um, we only want to celebrate perfection, and we put perfection up on a, on a pedestal, and, and none of us, not even that person you put on a pedestal is perfect, okay? But we can celebrate progress. Well, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm getting there. God's working. He's doing good things. So um, once we can see people the way God sees them, that they're valuable and priceless, it changes everything. And let me just, uh, I got a little quote. I wanted to quote something I love, I've heard. Nobody 
pays a high price for something that isn't valuable. He paid the highest price for you. The highest price for you. The highest price for the person sitting next to you. He wouldn't have paid the price if you weren't worth it. And then John 15, 13 says this. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. And friends there actually means family or relatives, because you're even more than a friend. You're a friend that's a family member. That's what God says. That's what he did for you. First, I mean, not first, but Colossians 1.27. We're going to do a few scriptures here because I love the word. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. The mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. But here's the problem. We take our eyes off the cross, we put them on circumstances, and they start defining us, and they define his love for us, and we buy into lies that look and feel good, or they feel comfortable, and lies that actually become those, many of them are very self-serving. Um, now, I'm not talking about being delusional here. How many of you have known a delusional Christian? Like, they're sick as a dog, but they're fine. They got a zero account, uh, zero balance in their bank account, but oh, they don't know what they're going to do with all the money they got. I'm like, what is this? That's, that's, not, that's not faith. That's delusional. Okay? Let me help you out. <laughs> and that is absolutely uh, not what I'm talking about. But here's the truth. It's not Christian at the same time to be disappointed it's not really Christian to be discouraged and hurt and offended all the time. Did Jesus live that way? That's why I'm saying it. Did Jesus live that way? Was he like, did they say, how's it going? Oh, I don't know. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I got to pay these bills and I have no idea what I'm going to do. No. <laughs> Was everything always going his way? No, he lived life, right? He lived life like we live life. You see it. He had to eat. He had to sleep. Was everything always... No, he faced difficult circumstances. Yes, he was fully God, but he was fully man. Let that grasp you for a minute. He was fully man, just like you, just like you. Circumstances didn't have the loudest voice in his ear. So I'm not telling you we have to deny that things are happening, but I am telling you they don't get a voice, and they certainly don't get the loudest voice. His purpose and who he was as God's son had the loudest voice in his ear. And we can get there. We have to stop giving ourselves permission to live less than Christ. Let's stop saying things like, yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. That gives you permission. That gives you permission to live less than Christ. You're the special one that has the worst thing that's ever happened to you, that the word couldn't be true for you. No, that's not true. That's a lie. That's not true. 
Jesus didn't live that way. He did life on the earth, and he didn't live discouraged. Can you imagine if he did? This is what it might sound like. Can you imagine Jesus saying this? These people are treating me like trash. (laughs) We laugh. We laugh. When am I ever going to be treated like I should be? I can't believe you guys would come out here all this way with these hungry people and bring no food. (laughs) I don't deserve this. Look at all I do. (laughs) Another storm. (laughs) Great. And now we're out here in a boat. No, Jesus never said those things. Why? Because he knew who he was, and he knew who his father was. And I am convinced that even though I am not there, that we can live that way too. And it looks like this. I'm broke right now. Someone close to me got a bad diagnosis, maybe a family member. My adult child is in big trouble. Maybe I got laid off, and this is how it looks. But my father loves me beyond measure. He paid a high price to be in relationship with me. He cares about me in the middle of this situation. He is with me. He is helping me figure out how to solve this problem. I know he wants only the best for me. There is always a solution. There are good things in the middle of it, and we get the high privilege in life of trusting him when things come that we don't understand. We get to trust him. You see, you are the field and you are the pearl. And you are worth it all. Circumstances don't get the loudest voice. The cross does. Who my father says I am, what he thinks about me, is the loudest voice. My purpose and value to him is what matters. And somebody needs to hear this today. If we are just waiting for circumstances to be just right, to feel valuable and loved, we never will. We are loved and valuable because of the price he paid for you and me, and that settles it. Not just so we can avoid hell and make it to heaven, but so we can know him and have a relationship with him. Everything else we do comes out of that loving relationship that we share with him. Now, I don't think I'm the smartest person in the room by far. I love having smart friends. I always say, you're my smart friend. (laughs) Help me out here. And there are many things I don't know. And just because I have the microphone today or that I happen to marry a pastor um, doesn't make me the smartest. But there's something that I feel like after, I mean, I'm almost 50 now, that, I, that I've come to kind of believe. And that's this. The greatest problem in the world today is not ISIS and it's not the president. And I hate to break it to you, but it's really not Pelosi. (laughs) 
It's not Wall Street, and it's not North Korea. The greatest problem, I believe, that we face today is men and women, Christians, yes, even Christians, but men and women wake up every day and don't know or believe their value and worth to a good father, so they live for themselves. They live for themselves. When they were made for God's image, you were made to shine. You were made for him. You were not made for yourself. We pray for ourselves. We think for ourselves. We give for ourselves so we can get. We do things so we can feel better about ourselves. We weren't made for that. You were made for him. You were made to shine his love, to receive it first and know it and to shine. We were created to deny ourselves, to follow him, to become love like he did, to display Christ in us, the hope of glory, like we read in Colossians. And you're just that important. You carry just that much influence. He's given you that authority to be able to do that. Why? Because you're great? No, because of who your father is. And he is in you. He is great. I want to show you a little quote, another quote that's really encouraged me through the last year or so. I cannot afford to have one thought in my head about me that God doesn't have in his. Let's think about that. That's really challenged me in the last year or so. But let's push it a step further and let's say after we master that, I cannot afford to have one thought in my head about other people that God doesn't have in his. You see, we think and meditate on wrong things all day long. I know I'm guilty. Well, look at her. Who does she think she is? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's what goes, things, these little things run through our head. We're keeping it real today. <sighs> well, my goodness, what am I going to do about this situation? I have no idea. It is just utterly hopeless. I just, I just give up. <laughs> these are the things we meditate on. Am I right? Yes, they fill our thought life. Um, and, then, and then this one, oh my goodness, I let my kids drive to Tri-Cities. I just know they're going to crash. What's going to happen? Oh my goodness, what if the fog comes? Uh, okay, these are, these are meditations, okay? These are things we meditate on, and they're not what God wants us to meditate on. Oh, look at that spot. I just know it's skin cancer. I got to get to the doctor immediately. They better drop everything they're doing and see me. And this is just in our head. These are in our head. <laughs> no wonder we can't display him. We're living in fear, not in love. We're not experiencing what he paid for. Well, what if God's promises are true? And, if, and what if he really is never going to leave our side, no matter what? Even in the darkest depression, even when we're fighting anxiety. What if he's there? What if he's fighting when we don't even know he's fighting for us? What if he's with our kid and our family? What if he really has the best intention for us in mind at all times? What if? What would happen? We would be filled with hope. 
Things would change. We would display his glory on a whole new level. People would see Christ, and that's what we're all about. You see, what you've done, your doctor's report, your bank account, none of that changes who he is or what he thinks about you. His love is relentless. Remember, we read that he's large in 1 Corinthians 13. He believes the best about you. He doesn't shame you. It, he, he isn't easily irritated. He's a safe place of shelter. This is all from that first verse. He never stops believing the best for you. His love never, ever takes failure as defeat. And he never, ever gives up on you. That's what he tells us. It's time that we start living like this, like we believe it's all, uh, like we believe it's all about him and the people around us. And I want to close today with, uh, we're going to talk about a little story from the Bible. And maybe you have seen it. This, I have another slide of these guys, three guys. There they are. So in case you don't know who they are, these three guys are named Shad, Rack, and Binny. Anybody remember them? <laughs> so this is the veggie tell version of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's a story found in Daniel in the Bible. I want to talk to you a little about, about these guys, these three guys. Now, these guys knew who they were, and they intimately knew who God was, okay? Now, there was this dude named Neb, and he was not good. He was the king, Nebuchadnezzar. And Neb gets this bright idea. He says, I'm going to make an idol and, uh, of gold. And everybody, when the music plays, is going to bow down and worship my idol because I am great. <laughs> and Shadrach and Vinny are like, oh, we're not bowing. <laughs> we're not bowing. That's not God. You're not God. And we're not bowing. Now, um, we, we laugh about this a little bit and think, well, goodness, that would seem like an easy choice. But here's the problem. We bow to things every day. We bow to fear. <laughs> we bow to worry. We bow to lies. Okay? And some of us need to get some backbone today and say, we're not bowing. That worked before. That lie worked on me before. It's not working again. <laughs> I'm like over that. I know who God is. I know that he loves me. I know he wants the best for me. So even if this looks bad, something good's coming out of it, and he's protecting me, and I'm going to make it. And even if the person dies, the ultimate, that he knows what he's doing, and I can trust him because he's good. You see, that's the ultimatum that we can't get away from. He's good. So they said, we're not bowing. And Neb gives them a second chance because he likes them. They're good guys. And he says, I'm going to give you one more chance. And they say, we're not bowing. <laughs> if you decide today you're not bowing, you might, you might get a second chance, and you still have the right to say, I'm not bowing. You have that choice. How many of us would be shaking in our boots, focusing on how hot the fire would be, and saying things like, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen if I end up in the fire? instead of focusing on who he is and the price he paid for us and his incredible love for us, we tend to focus on the fire because the fire can be loud and hot and look disruptive, and we sell out cheap to worry, worry and fear. And 
the fire is not the issue. What we think and believe about God is the issue. <laughs> Amen. Shadrach and Binny didn't say, can you imagine this if they would have said this? Oh, now we've done it. We didn't bow on our second chance, and he is mad now. He's making the fire seven times hotter. Seven times? What are we going to do? I know. Let's pray for all the angels to come and drop buckets of water from heaven on the fire, and then we will be safe. Did they pray that? What did they say? Let's see what they said. We're going to look at Daniel 3, 16 through 18. This is what they did say. Next slide. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. <laughs> I love this. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They were bold. But even if he does not, we're not bowing. No matter what happens, I'm going to be secure in my love and knowing that he loves me and who he made me to be. Um, and here's what happened. The fire raged. God himself walked right in there with them. He stood right there in the middle of the fire and let it burn. He didn't need to put the fire out. He was there. <laughs> he walked in with them. And not only did they not burn, but they didn't even smell like smoke. You can go through what you're going through with your eyes on him because he's with you and not even smell like smoke. Have you met some people that maybe didn't keep their eyes on him and they smell like smoke? <laughs> it looks like bitterness. <laughs> it looks like anger. Okay, we, we can go through what we're going through when our eyes are on him and not even smell like smoke. I want to encourage you with that today. Deuteronomy 31.6 says this, and uh, I can't, I did make a slide for that. It says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13.5, we got another one. He wants us to get this. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you alone, never, and I will not loosen my grip on your life. No matter what you do or what happens or how hard you fight him, Oh, how hard you run, or how hot the fire is. He's not leaving you. Okay? He's not. Some of you today are in the fire, and he's there with you. He's right there. And I want to say this again. One of the greatest privileges you and I will ever have as a believer is to trust him when we don't understand. Um, I want to read a scripture that I don't have a slide for. And Paul is talking in this scripture about all the great things we have because of the cross. We have peace with God. We have full access to him. And then he says this. 
And not only that, <laughs> and not only that, even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy, or it doesn't put to shame. Because we can now, we can now, not after the difficulties are over, but we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. He's just that good. He's just that good. You see, fear will tell you don't get your hopes up. And fear will tell you, you, don't, you you're just going to get what you deserve. But no, no. He paid the price for what you deserve. This is how we need to start taking the petals off of our flower, which leads us back to my little flowers. And this is how we should do our flowers um, and teach our kids maybe to do our flowers. But it goes like this. He loves me. He loves you. He loves me. He loves you. He loves me. He loves me. There's no way to come up short with him. There's no way. There's no way. So we're going to close today, and uh, I want to ask you to stand, and hopefully I have the right verse coming up here. We're going to read this out loud together and say it for ourselves. I love saying the scripture out loud. If that's not a practice of yours, uh, I really encourage you to, to do that and to personalize it. Can you put that last scripture up? It is Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. Yes. And let's read it together. And first we're going to read it as it's written. And then I'm going to ask you to, um, to challenge a little bit and personalize it. And I'll help you get through it. We're going to say it just for us, okay? So it says this. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are overflowing with the fullness of God. And then one more, 20. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. So if we could go back to the, the first part of it and let's read it like this. Maybe you just wanna listen. If you wanna say it, that's good too. But let's personalize it. And it would read like this. How, in, how, excuse me, how deeply intimate and far reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is endless love beyond measurement that transcends my understanding this extravagant love pours into me until i am filled to overflowing with the fullness 
of God. And I'm going to pause there just a minute. This is the only love that's going to change our world. His love that overflows from us after receiving his love. We cannot love if we don't know we're loved. And when we know we're loved, and it's an overflowing love of the fullness of God. And so let's go on to uh, the next, the last verse that says this. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in me and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than my greatest request, my most unbelievable dream, and exceed my wildest imagination. Amen? Amen. He's just that good. He's just that good. He's just that good. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, thank you for your word and your love for us, that you love us all the time, no matter what, no matter what we do, no matter what we think, God, no matter where we are, we thank you, God, that your love is always reaching out to us, that your greatest desire, God, is relationship with us. And Father, today, I just pray that you'll give us a fresh revelation, a fresh revelation of you and who you are to us. God, that you're nothing to be feared, but God, your goodness, your goodness surrounds us all the days of our life. We see that, Lord. Father, we thank you, Jesus. Mm. Mm. Mighty God. If you're here today, and I don't even, um, we, we do this prayer, you know, if you haven't accepted Jesus or made a decision to follow him, uh, but, but we're not gonna do it quite like that. Let's just, uh, maybe you're here today. I don't care who you are. If you've been in the church your whole life um, and you're saying today, I haven't been living in that love. Maybe you've never been to church. Maybe this is your first experience and you're like, wow, he loves me. Uh, then that's you too. But you're just saying today, I wanna encounter his love. I really want to encounter his love. I want to live in that love. Let just just make a you can you can come forward, you can kneel, you can put your hand up. I don't care. Just somehow say God, that's me. God, that's me. I haven't been living in your love. I haven't been knowing and resting in that. I've been walking in fear, disbelief. I've been making choices that separate me from you. And God, I want to love you back with my free will. I want to be all you've created me for. I want to be what you see in me today. Jesus, we just thank you, God, for each person here, each valuable, priceless possession, God, your children, your kids. Jesus, I thank you for, for all the things that are in them and all the things that you're going to do. And God, we just uh, pray blessing. God, I pray that you'll help us even this week to walk out the word we've heard. And God, that when lies come, that we'd be quick to shut them down and quick to recognize them. And that we would be suspicious, God, of the enemy's tactics. Lord, that we would live in truth and walk in truth. And the truth, God, of your cross, that you paid it all for us. That that's what defines us.